This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, October is Stuttering Awareness Month. Maya Chupkov tells you about the Proud Stutter podcast and their campaign related to the Awareness Month. The Canadian Disability Hall of Fame will be inducting several new members this week. You'll get a sneak peek. And there's an opportunity for you to learn first aid and CPR in the Halifax area. Melina Kazanavishus has details on that training. But let's begin the show with the top story of the day. Some Breaking news coming across the wire just a couple of minutes ago. Canada's annual inflation rate decelerated to 6.9% in September. That's down from 7% in August. Those numbers coming from Stats Canada. The drop is mostly attributed to lower gas prices. And we'll have some sound and analysis on that during tomorrow's show as the news broke just a couple of minutes ago. So nobody on hand to give you a full-blown analysis, but suffice to say the Expression soaring inflation no longer necessarily applying as we've come down from inflation rates nearing 9% down to a 7% year over year and now seeing about a 2% month over month drop going back to uh, a couple of months ago. So that's your short analysis from Dave Brown, but we'll try to get some expert analysis on the show for you tomorrow. But speaking of inflation, we know it's having a significant impact on economies all over the world, specifically in Western Europe. So let's begin in Britain, where their prime minister continues to feel public pressure for her economic policies. Tom River, Tom Rivers has that story. New Prime Minister Liz Truss continues to look out of her depth. Her economic plan for the country in tatters and new inflation figures top 10%. Under this backdrop, business is tough. Wine importer Ed Baker. It's very difficult to plan. As a consequence, it's hard to take a decision. You'd rather not take a decision than make the wrong one as a consequence of maybe the policy changing. Short-term stability seems elusive. Government borrowing is up and the pound is down. Tom Rivers, ABC News, London. Mm, almost like economically isolating yourself from the rest of the continent was a poor idea in times of needed free trade and economic cooperation. Funny thing that, funny thing how people warned England about that, but no, 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 no. Had to separate from Europe. It was very important to go back to the imperial days. Let's head over to another part of Western Europe where people are also not pleased. People are also protesting in France about the rising cost of living and as to Couture has more. Police sirens blasting through the streets of Paris as protests took a violent turn, with dozens of protesters clashing with police and breaking shop windows. Most of the demonstration was peaceful. Workers were protesting inflation and demanding higher wages. Thousands of people participated. At least 11 people were arrested, according to the Interior Ministry. Similar protests were held around the country. In Esdalekwatera, ABC News, Paris. Let's come back to Canada and get to some testimony from the public inquiries into the Emergencies Act. Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson was 
testifying yesterday. He described the conditions that led him to appeal for help from other levels of government. The residents living on those streets having these horns honk literally 24 hours a day, seven days a week, plus uh, the diesel fumes, plus uh, roasting a pig on one street, bonfires, lighting off fireworks, having a dance party. It was showing complete disrespect for the people who lived in the city of Ottawa. And uh, I, I put that wording in very strongly to let the two other orders of government know that we needed their help. Our city's back was against the wall. And Watson went further. He added that he did request a boost in police presence. We had this outrageous behavior by people who seemed to have no respect for uh, private property, public property, or the well-being of the citizens of, of, of Ottawa. And my job as mayor was to speak out and say, we have to end this, and the only way we're going to end it is with a significant increase and boost in the number of police officers. And Watson elaborated on that request for extra police powers. We needed the large number of 1,800 to get this situation under control and kick these yahoos out of our city who were disrupting the quality of life of the people of Ottawa. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, fast forward, we got what we wanted and we appreciate the federal government, the provincial government's support. We wanted it sooner because this thing should not have lasted three weeks. So you may be asking me, Dave, why did you play so many clips from the mayor of Ottawa? It's because what the mayor was doing yesterday is really getting to the crux of what this public inquiry about is about. To quote a few good men, fundamentally, the inquiry is trying to figure out who asked for the code red, who asked for the Emergencies Act, why was it enacted? That's what we're doing here. So as much as we want to describe or reflect on what those couple of weeks were like in Ottawa, the important thing is to think about the process here. That's at the root of this. Who asked for the Emergencies Act? Who asked for the code red? Who declared the code red? So really yesterday was the first day that we really started getting down to the political procedure. Not what it was like on the ground, because I think we all have a sense of that. There were plenty of news reports and there were plenty of stories shared about that. The question of this inquiry is, who asked for it and was it appropriate? So now we're starting to get down to brass tacks here, which uh, makes me very happy because that's the interesting question, not whether or not there was urine in snowbanks, on snowbanks in Ottawa. Let's go back abroad where Danish officials have confirmed there has been extensive damage to the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 gas pipelines. Here once again, it is Inez de la Couture. According to Danish police, a preliminary investigation into the damages incurred on the two Nord Stream gas pipelines in the Danish part of the Baltic Sea shows the leaks were caused by powerful explosions. Earlier this month, Swedish prosecutors also said two other holes in the pipeline seem to have been caused by explosions. World leaders have called the damages an act of sabotage, but it's unclear who might be responsible. And as Delacuatera, ABC News at the foreign desk. We're really racking up the frequent flyer miles because we started in Canada. I took you abroad. I brought you back to Canada. I took you abroad. Let's come back to Canada one more time where the leader of the opposition and prime minister jousted about housing in the House of Commons yesterday. Conservative leader Pierre Poilievre accused the liberals of not doing enough to stop the rising cost of housing. The reality is that this prime minister has presided over the worst housing bubble on planet Earth. UBS says that Vancouver is more overpriced than New York, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Los Angeles. 
Let's head over to Prime Minister Justin. You're probably wondering why I'm laughing. It's because of the little peanut gallery. Actually, Eliza, cue, the, cue that one up again. I want you to hear the peanut gallery of when Pierre Polyev is chatting. You get the first person going, it's true. And then further along, you get the wow. Eliza, play it again. I want people to hear sort of the, the simmering soundtrack on this one. The reality is that this prime minister has presided over the worst housing bubble on planet Earth. UBS says that Vancouver is more overpriced than New York, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Los Angeles. The House of Commons amuses me. Okay, actually down to the important things, because housing is, I suppose, no laughing matter. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau pointed to pending government legislation to give money to renters with low income. Trudeau accused Polyev of stalling the passage of that legislation. The reality is, Mr. Speaker, not only does the leader of the opposition not support those measures to help low-income families with real money this fall, he's blocking their passage in the House, preventing anyone from getting that money. But without a wow, or an it's true, it just doesn't ring the same. Let's get to our daily polls. At Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. Yesterday we asked you, the federal government wants banks to label Carbon tax rebates more clearly when they are direct deposited. Do you think blanks should comply? 86% of you said yes. 14% of you said no. We've got some really thoughtful responses on Twitter here, starting with Dawn saying, I think all their deposits should be clear. It's hard to decipher other payments like child benefits as well. feels like random money coming in, and I'm always worried it's a mistake. Really great, thoughtful remark there by Dawn. I didn't even consider that, the fact that folks might wonder if these deposits are a mistake. And I can tell when I've asked a good poll question because our very own Bruce Beclarian will get involved in the conversation. He said, my bank statement read Canada C-A-I. After a quick Google search, it was easy to put two and two together to know where it came from. Besides, the other popular party probably wouldn't incentivize any climate change action. So thanks to Bruce for chiming in at Accessible Media and making me feel good when I know I've asked something reasonable. Let's get to today's daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You saw that I, uh, or you heard that I played those clips about housing. Today I'm asking you, who do you blame for the rising cost of housing across Canada? Do you blame the government? Do you blame the central bank? Do you blame corporations? Or do you blame no one at all? Eliza, Eliza Rocco, who's to blame? Everyone, Dave. Oh, <laughs> that's my, that's my feeling too. <laughs> there, this is just such a complicated question and it's such a complicated issue because there's just, there's so many factors that have gone into making this what this is today. I think the government really got the ball rolling, I will say, but then the banks came in with a higher interest rate. Uh, corporations certainly aren't helping. It has gotten to a point. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to own a home, yeah. own, own yeah. anything like that. Um, at this Certainly point, living in know. southern Ontario, like, good luck. Yeah, if you live like in anywhere near yeah. Toronto. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's, it's, I would have to say, pro- if I had to choose, I would probably say government, but it's really just a combination of, of all of these. Yeah, uh, people don't need to hear me belabor this point. The government needs to be getting involved in building housing supply, yeah. no doubt. They need to be putting in better policies around speculation and people uh, leveraging in, uh, properties against one another. Corporations are certainly accountable as well as a lot of corporations bought up housing supply during various levels of crash and low interest rates, and certainly the central bank keeping interest rates as low 
as they did for as long as they did was a big pressure point too. So I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, Eliza. Everybody is responsible for this. <laughs> you can't just point your you can't just point the dirty stick at one person, but definitely the per, the, the organization that can most solve this to a certain degree is a government just building as much Crown Corporation housing as they can and trying to uh, create rental properties, low-cost or at-cost rental properties for people. But I've, I've made that point so many times on the air at this point that it's becoming uh, redundant. I should just write a book at this point. Yeah. Let's bring in Alex Smythe on this one. Alex, who do you blame? Who are we pointing the dirty stick at about the cost of housing? Yeah, I agree with what both you and Elijah have said. It's, it's Everyone has a... Uh, part of the blame for the situation we find ourselves in. This isn't something that's happened overnight. This is something that has been building for decades, essentially, just with a lack of uh, new housing, lack of affordable housing. Um, you know, the interest rates going up doesn't help things, but even before the pandemic and, and uh, inflation rising, housing was still unaffordable, especially in uh, the GTA and in Vancouver. Um, I, I think, though, the one that needs to get more of a light shined on it is corporations, especially corporations who have used the housing market as an investment. And uh, I remember a year ago or a couple of years ago on uh, 60 Minutes, they actually profiled this one Canadian company that was literally buying up hundreds of thousands of homes in Ontario and in the States. And it's like that's just a single company that is literally taking advantage and, and using the housing market as an investment for mm -hmm. their funding and literally blocking out hundreds of thousands of possible home buyers because they have the resources to overbid, go over asking and manipulate the market so they get more of a share because housing is can be one of the best investments you can make from mm -hmm. a financial return mm -hmm. standpoint. Businesses started queuing in on that and realizing, hey, you know, if we buy up tens, 20, hundreds of thousands of homes across the country, this is an easier way to make money than doing our, our standard investment tactics. So I think from that standpoint, I really put the pressure and the blame on businesses. But at the same point, the government could have introduced legislation to limit this, to try to control how corporations and people not basically living in the homes or owning multiple properties are uh, kind of being taxed or, mm -hmm. or viewed or being allowed to buy homes at this kind of scale. Yeah, what really matters there in, in the point that you're making about that 60 Minutes profile about several companies that are real estate investment trusts that are not actually building properties. They're going into realtor.ca and they're saying, oh, that's a nice house in Oshawa. Let's buy that. And then saying, yeah. well, this house that was built to be a residence is now a rental property. So essentially they're turning exactly. into landlords without necessarily doing the capital investment, i.e. building the building to become a landlord. So that's a, to me, Alex, that's a great observation by you. And thank you for raising it because that's a really important piece of this puzzle. Alex, I don't want you to go anywhere. Get those weather notes ready. But in the meantime, I'm going to remind folks that you can vote on this at Accessible Media on Twitter. Some of you already have Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And don't be afraid to get involved in the comment section on this one as well. I want to hear your theories about housing because it's one of my absolute favorite things to talk about, even though it's kind of like an ongoing horror movie at this point. Okay, lots going on in the world of weather. Let's bring in Alex Smythe for the weather update. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, 
where it's cloudy with a chance of rain this morning, then turning to a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 15. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, there's rain throughout the day, a risk of thunderstorm this afternoon, and wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. There was also a special weather statement in effect due to high volumes of rain with up to 70 millimeters expected between now and Thursday morning. 17 is the high there. Over to Montreal, Quebec. It's cloudy with a chance of showers this afternoon and a high of 11. In Ottawa, Ontario, it's mix of sun and clouds with possible showers and a high of 10. To Toronto, Ontario, it's cloudy with showers off and on today and a high of 9. Thunder Bay, Ontario, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 6. For Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's mainly sunny and a high of 9. Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, it's mainly sunny as well and a high of 20. Over to Calgary, Alberta, it's sunny but hazy and 24 is the high. Up to Edmonton, Alberta, it's mainly sunny, hazy as well and a high of 23. Let's head to Yellowknife Northwest Territories where it's cloudy in the morning and rain possible this morning but that will end by the afternoon and 8 will be the high. Over to Vancouver, BC. It's mainly sunny and hazy, and there's actually an air quality statement in effect due to the smoke in the area, with 18 being the high. And finally, to Victoria, BC. It's sunny and hazy in the afternoon, and 15 is the high. That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Alex, I was checking in with a few of my people out there on the West Coast in uh, Vancouver as well as in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. We've been sort of talking about these hazy conditions and air quality statements. Apparently the air is just heavy, heavy, heavy. My friend in Seattle says she can't walk from her car into the school that she works without her clothes smelling like campfire based on the dry conditions there. There's droughts that are going on in the Sunshine Coast right now. I'm going to have some information on that in the regional news update. So we're we're describing this a little bit in these weather reports, but talking to some people on the ground yesterday, it's a crisis wouldn't be the right word, but it's quite surreal out there for October in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely, Dave. And, uh, you know, having lived in Edmonton for a couple of years, I, I've lived through these forest fires uh, summers, especially, and you got the haziness and you would get those really thick air, the smoke, and you would smell it, you would feel it, you would almost taste it. Uh, some days it just, it would be really rough going out. But in my two years living out in, in Edmonton, I've never seen weather like this, this late in the season. Like, in September, it would snow, and mm-hmm. by Halloween, the snow would be on the ground and it would stay. So the fact that Alberta's still getting these highs in the 20s is, you know, at a certain point, it almost becomes uh, concerning because that's not what the uh, the average trend is. These are kind of starting to creep into record territory. Mm-hmm. So you, you really get concerned by the forest fires as you go into B.C., Alberta, down south into uh, Washington, as you were describing. So hopefully... The weather turns, the forest fires end, and that that overwhelming heat and dryness makes way for a bit more average temperatures as we move forward. Well, I'll reveal a stat here that I'm going to share in the regional news update, so I'll, re- I'll reiterate it later. But typically on the Sunshine Coast, from July till about this point in October, they expect 200 millimeters of rain. They've had 10 millimeters of rain in that yeah. in that time period. So definitely some drought conditions going on on the uh, West Coast. Alex, thank you for this. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the show. Coming up next, the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame will be inducting several new members this week. You'll get a sneak peek 
This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Tomorrow marks the return for an in-person induction ceremony at the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame. Here to tell you more about it is Christine Payne. Christine is the project manager with the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. Hey, Christine, great to chat with you. Thank you for making time for us today. Thanks for having me on the show this morning, Dave. Good morning. So tomorrow is the big day. How's everybody feeling? We're absolutely excited to be returning to an in-person celebration for the first time in several years. Absolutely, of course, during the pandemic, we did have inductees who were selected, but we couldn't have an in-person celebration or luncheon. So we're so, so excited to be returning to the in-person format and to be recognizing in a unique situation our inductees for 2022, 2021, and 2020, all in one day. Now, see, this is going to be a shindig when we're honoring that many people at one time. That's fun. Uh, Let's talk a little little bit about this year's inductees. We can go into them into more specifics in a moment, but just top line, who are the people who are getting in this year? So this year, we're inducting Josh Duick, who is a two-time Paralympian and international influencer of sport. Josh will be inducted in the Achiever category for 2022. Lauren McDonald, a passionate human rights lawyer and disability advocate, is being inducted in the builder category for 2022. And Greg Westlake, um, one of the world's best para ice hockey players, he's being inducted in the athlete category. Just some phenomenal, phenomenal names that are doing a lot of cool work across the spectrum. What's the process like for folks to be inducted? How are those decisions made? Well, we have an esteemed selection board that has 10 members on it. The selection board is chaired by Honorable David Crombie, and it has been uh, since its inception. Honorable Crombie has has been a passionate supporter of uh, the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame, chairing it, as I said, since the beginning. So each year we have a, 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 you know, a large group of um very deserving uh, nominees. And that information goes to the 10 members of our selection board. The selection board reviews that information and then they meet to discuss and vote so that one person is inducted in each category of achiever, builder, and athlete. And I can tell you, Dave, it is never an easy process for Mm. our selection board. Those categories, why the separation there? Why did you want to try and create a rubric for those three different uh, those three different spaces or three different categories? I think what it does is it facilitates the selection of candidates in different spheres of expertise, different areas of excellence, if you will. And the Hall of Fame really wants to recognize people, you know, with varying skills, with varying expertise, so that everybody has the opportunity to be recognized. Where do you feel the Hall of Fame fits into making a broader impact in the community? How do you you feel that it can serve people and, and create a framework that folks can look at? I think the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame, I mean, 
it provides and preserves on a permanent basis the ability to recognize extraordinary Canadians with disabilities and also extraordinary Canadians who are contributing to improving the lives of people Mm. with disabilities. Mm. In addition to that, having the permanent recognition at Metro Hall, 55 John Street in Toronto, means that the public can visit, learn more about more than 120 inductees who have been enshrined in the Hall of Fame over 29 years. And in addition, it really helps to perhaps help others aspire to reach their own personal best and live their own dreams. Yeah, it's my mind it creates this template, right? It says, here's here's historical data, here's historical achievement. And it can, as you say, give, give people something to aspire to, to say, how can I be the next piece on that wall or the next piece in this movement? Because we know it's a movement that grows and expands and evolves, which is so, so cool. Now, there's going to be something really neat going on here in the sense that AMI-audio is going to be taking part in some of these ceremonies with some some live coverage. So what can folks expect tomorrow? Because I know a few of them are going to be really keen to tune in tomorrow at noon, at noon Eastern time. But what's the event going to look like tomorrow? How's it going to play out? It's a fabulous event. Um, So as you mentioned, it will be broadcast live on AM audio. We have Andy Frank coming down to do the broadcast. Oh, boy, getting the big guns on this one. We are, absolutely. We're we're super excited to be welcoming uh, Andy. So Andy will broadcast live. That starts at noon on AMI-audio. So listeners who want to tune in can either check their local listing for the AMI-audio channel in their area, or, of course, they can also stream it live. So, you know, it's it's about a two-hour event. So we'll start out with a procession where the inductees and the VIPs will march in. Uh, we have Rob Snook, who is our MC, and he'll, of course, be, um, you know, driving the, the ceremony. We will have uh, remarks from the founder of CFPDP, Honorable Vim Kochar. And then, of course, um, we do have a lunch. And during that lunch, AMI-audio is going to be playing pre-recorded interviews with our three 2022 inductees. So that's very exciting. Listeners will get to learn more about them, their achievements, their accomplishments, and and their lives. And then after that, we'll have the award ceremony, which is chaired by uh, Honorable David Crombie, and we'll be inducting our inductees into the Hall of Fame. So it's, it's going to be a very, very exciting day. Christine, you made my life easy there doing all the promo work for me in terms of uh, the local <laughs> listings and AMI.ca for the live stream. Thank you for that. I, I like that. I, I could use a co-host on this show. Uh, Christine, obviously we know there's so much work that goes into organizing one of these events, and sometimes it's hard to live in the moment. But what are you most excited for tomorrow? I think we're excited to see people again. I mean, we've had hundreds and hundreds of supporters over the years who who come out to support Canada's disability communities, to support, um, you know, the extraordinary Canadians who have been inducted into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame, and to show their support. We're excited to see everybody again. We're excited to be celebrating amazing Canadians in person and to return to that live format. Christine, we're grateful for the time that you spent with us today. And thank you for all the work that you and your colleagues are doing year round on not just this, but so many other things. So thank you again. Have a great time tomorrow and we'll talk to you again soon. 
I hope so. Thanks for having us on the show today, Dave. That's Christine Payne, Project Manager with the Canadian Foundation for Physically Disabled Persons. As mentioned, the Hall of Fame special broadcast takes place tomorrow on AMI-audio at noon Eastern time. So as Christine mentioned, check your local listings or head over to AMI.ca. You can find your AMI-audio channel there or just stream it live right there from AMI.ca. Coming up after the break, Anupala will explore the merits of gratitude, But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minute. Canada's main stock index closed higher yesterday alongside gains in U.S. markets ahead of this morning's Canadian inflation data. Toronto's TSX index gained 177 points to close at 18,798. New York's Dow Jones average surged 337 points and the Nasdaq added 96. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index gained 101 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning a little lower at 72.55. Since U.S. Stats Can is expected to release inflation numbers for September this morning. RBC expects the annual rate to come in at 6.7% for last month after slowing to 7% in August. And U.S. President Joe Biden is expected to announce the release of 15 million barrels of oil from the U.S. Strategic Reserve today as part of a response to recent production cuts announced by OPEC Plus Nations. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. How often do you hear someone say, I'm grateful? I'm sure you've heard it more often over the last few years. I for sure have. Heck, I like to use that expression when I'm living in the moment or trying to show appreciation. But what does it mean to express gratitude? And what are the benefits Let's reflect on this further with Anu Paula. Anu is the founder of Anu Vision Coaching and Consulting. Hey, good morning, Anu. Great to chat with you once again. You as well. Good morning. So, Anu, what got you thinking about gratitude and the merits of gratitude? Well, gratitude is something that is always on my mind. But since Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving in October, I wanted to highlight the topic of gratitude in my segment this month. There is some science behind this. So why don't we start there? What are the merits of gratitude? So there have been some research done through positive psychology. And surprisingly enough, there are quite a few benefits of practicing gratitude. So it is associated to greater happiness. And I can definitely attest to this myself. So greater happiness is just one of the outcomes that was uh, found through this research. Also improved physical and mental health. Um, It can help to manifest positive experiences, improve relationships. There are just so many benefits to practicing gratitude. I don't know about you, Dave, but I know that when I consciously make an effort to, you know, to be grateful for what, what a, you know, whether someone did something for me or just being grateful for just being alive. Mm. I don't know, something inside just changes the way you feel. Like it just shifts your emotions. You use the word conscious there. And that's such yes. a valuable word in describing what it takes to 
keep gratitude in your life because it can be very easy through stress or through other pressures in life to get into negative headspace. And oftentimes you have to consciously have those moments of gratitude or one of the things we used to say around the office was a reframe. So you think Mm. about things that you're actually happy for or the privilege that you have to even be in that space or maybe work causes a little bit of pressure on you or there's something changing in your life. Oftentimes there is a gratitude that goes along with saying, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm actually able to be in this situation that even if it's stressful, I am grateful that I have the capacity to be here and that I'm not struggling in a a different way, right? That sometimes the pressures that we're facing are certainly more tertiary or secondary than primary survival. So, so many times I try to be grateful about that kind of stuff. Anu, we often talk to you about philanthropy and advocacy. How does gratitude manifest itself in those domains? Gratitude is a constant in the area of philanthropy and advocacy as well, I'd say. Um, Firstly, with regards to philanthropy, we are always making every effort to thank donors, especially because at the end of the day, we want to keep those donors engaged. So whether that's through thank you cards or emails or phone calls, we are constantly ensuring that we are staying engaged and, and appreciating whatever small gifts that they give to those particular organizations. And we found that the more we do this, more often than not, donors um, are more than likely to return as donors again Mm. in the future. And I think that is really, really huge. So in the nonprofit world, we're always trying to find creative ways of thanking our donors. And and that's something that I really, really enjoy um, in my past work is, you know, reaching out to those donors and having those really meaningful conversations and getting them, you know, connected to the cause that they're supporting. So I love that. You use the word connected there. And that's exactly it. When you get that phone call or you get that letter, I I find especially the phone call or something that's a little bit more in person. It just, it just feels good to hear someone reflect on the impact that you made. And oftentimes it's not, even necessarily a prepared statement. Sometimes they'll give you a very no. specific thing that you did and you're like, wow, yeah, okay. I, I made a difference in somebody's life and that felt good and maybe I want to do that again and I'll be, I'll be grateful for that opportunity. No doubt. And the thing is, you know, Dave, that sometimes we have these scripts that we have to follow, you know, and it, it kind, of, kind of feel a bit mechanical. But when you kind of use that as a guideline, but really connect with that individual on a more personal or deeper, deeper level. Um, it really can be an amazing conversation. Like, oh my gosh, I won't even get into it now, but there's just some really great experiences <laughs> that I have had that just make me feel so good. Mm. Uh, let's circle back to the idea of, of conscious thought and action because gratitude doesn't just happen. How can we cultivate it? Well, there's lots of different ways we can do this, Dave. One is that just take a moment and think of one thing. And if you have time for another couple, go for it. But at least one thing that you are grateful for. And it can be the smallest of things, you know, having running water. It may sound Mm, kind of like, mm. what? But, you know, we are so lucky to be living in a country. I've traveled 
quite a bit. My husband and I have traveled a significant amount in Southeast Asia and different places where, you know, they just don't have the same privileges as we do here in the West. And we don't realize that how fortunate we really are. So just taking a moment and, think, and being grateful for the smallest uh, things. Um, sometimes you can even write a small thank you note to somebody and appreciating them for whatever, whether it's something they did for you um, or just being grateful that they're in your life. And again, this goes back to that consciousness. It's something we may not necessarily, you know, actively do or think about. But when we kind of put that into our minds and say, you know what, I'm going to really just take like five minutes and appreciate this person. Like sometimes I might just even send a text you know, to somebody, if I'm mm. thinking about them, and just the smallest of things to say that, hey, I hope you're doing well, just thinking about you. And, you know, even that um, makes up can make the, a person's day really, yeah. you know. So yeah, it, it can be a lot of little things, right? I mean, obviously, something like running water is so fundamental to, to human life, but being able to take a cold glass of water from the sink on a hot day, right? That that like that yeah. feels good. Uh, Anu, I was thinking about this last night because I got to spend some time with my dad. He's currently in the middle of a road trip and he passed through Toronto for the night just to hang out and have a place to crash. And it was just yeah. lovely to sit there on my sofa and watch a little bit of baseball with my dad. It, it, it you know, I know family is important to you and family is important to me. Yes. And it just, it felt, I was grateful that I got to have this opportunity to have a night with my dad. It, it, it's a simple thing, but it's, it's an important thing. Absolutely. Same with me. I have been traveling a lot over the last few months. And uh, even though my parents live in the same complex as me down the street, but I don't always get to spend as much time with them. And yesterday, my mom and I had some quality time together. And even just hanging out and just, you know, she was doing her thing and I was doing my thing. But just spending that time together um, was just really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Anu, so many times we think about about mental exercises as a solo activity, but that's not always the case. Sometimes there's really great opportunities to do these things in groups. I think about a friend of mine who used to go to a lot of mindfulness classes that once a week she'd go to a mindfulness class to make sure she Mm -hmm. was working on those reframes and working on that gratitude. So if somebody wanted to maybe share a positive experience about gratitude with you, how could they do that? I mean, I think it's just about, again, um, having those conversations, like really making an effort to just bring that to the the conversation. So whether it's in a group, whether you're with friends or whether it's a one-on-one you're having with a friend over coffee or whatnot, but actually making an effort to just say, hey, what are you grateful for? You know, and it sounds, again, like counterintuitive, something we wouldn't necessarily do. But this is how we can actually bring those conversations into the forefront, I think. Mm, Very, very cool. Hey, Anu, thank you for this. We always appreciate catching up. And I'm grateful. I don't don't mean to be flippant when I say that. I'm grateful that we had a chance to talk about gratitude. Thank you so much. And I am very grateful as well for you allowing me to bring this topic (laughs) to AMI. And I'm very grateful to have this platform on your show, to have these meaningful conversations with you and our audience. Mm. So thank you. Well, that's well said, Anu. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Sounds great. Thank you. That's Anu Paula, the founder of Anu Vision Coaching and Consulting. Coming up after the break, there's an opportunity for you to learn first aid and CPR in the Halifax area. Milena Kazanavishis has details on that training. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's set sail for Atlantic Canada to check in with community reporter Milena Kazanavishus in Halifax. Hey, good morning, Milena. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, I, it's headgear. What am I What am I looking at on screen here? So for those who can't see, I have a bright neon green squid on my head with tentacles and big blue eyes. I think on the side of its head. So so why why are we doing why are we doing prop comedy this morning, Milena? Because I won't see you at Halloween, and I just can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're already in costume. That's good. Well, we'll get to a we'll get to a hoot nanny in the area in a couple moments here. But Milena, let's start with something maybe a little bit more serious: a free training, first aid, and CPR opportunity coming down the pipeline for folks in the Halifax area. So, what's happening, and why was this a top of mind for you beyond your squid hat? <laughs> Um, well, I took this course at CNIB about four years ago, and it was um, excellent um, <clears throat> at a much reduced price. So generally, it's a first aid course put on by CNIB, um, and the cost is usually $145 coming to you, to everyone here in uh, in HRM for the very, very uh, affordable price of free. So it's running November 5th and 6th. It's a two-day course. November 5th from uh, 10 to 5, and November 6th from 9 to 3. You do have to be here for both. And, uh, you know, you will be taught uh, items such as CPR and how to use an EpiPen, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is funding available that for if you're under 18 and coming from outside the HRM 16 districts, that you can stay in a hotel for the night of the 5th. That is a Saturday night, actually. Um, you know, and uh, I just think it's really important to know your first aid just because we're blind or partially sighted does not mean that we cannot save a life. So November 5th and 6th, the charge is free. Contact Catherine Chapman at cnib.ca. Catherine is with the C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E dot Chapman, C-H-A-P-M-A-N at cnib.ca or call her at 401 401- Four eight five zero area code nine zero two, and we'll make sure that goes up on the blog after the show. AMI.ca slash now, uh, Milena. What was your takeaway when you did this course? You said you did it a couple of years ago. Yes, and and I well, my takeaway was I was very happy that I that I had the opportunity to take it. Um, you know, I, I fully admit that I wish I could be participating this time around again, because I'm a little you know rusty on on what I should be doing. So. Um, but I felt really good for at least a year and a half, uh, knowing that in case there was going to be a need, that I would I would have been able to perform CPR or use a defibrillator or or an EpiPen. And um, and the instructors were great. I mean, they're they're hands on. You know, you let them know what what you need, and and uh, and they'll help you right out. So it's I just really think it's really important to be doing that for everyone. Yeah. In, in times of a crisis, my, my natural reaction is cowardice. So it's good when you can have these kinds of skills that may actually give you competence in uh, these moments uh, where someone may desperately need you because sometimes you're going to, you might find yourself in a situation where uh, you can't defer to somebody else, right? My natural position would be to defer to someone else who can deal with this, who can help, who can help with this, but to have these skills tangibly there for you in a moment yeah. of crisis, you could save somebody's life for sure. Milena, let's uh, move on. 
after you're done your safety training, you can swap out the medical dummy for your dancing shoes. Nocturne Halifax is bringing together the We Can Dance Collective. This requires some explaining. So how does this work? Okay. I'm I'm a full full uh, full um, acknowledgement here. I'm I'm not exactly sure. This was under Nocturne, which we just had this weekend past, which was phenomenal. It's our art at night, but there it's under their accessibility so um, programming. So it's for the whole month of October 15th to November 15th on lower water in front of the um, Atlantic Museum um, of Maritimes, the Maritime Atlantic Museum, and. I cannot get a hold of the, the coordinators to find out what time, although I'll, I'll give an email address where we can keep emailing emailing to find out. But it's um it's apparently going to be a big projector and there will be one individual uh, from the audience or that's trained choreographer and will do a dance movement on the waterfront. And then audience members uh, can participate by following in a repetitive motion. And it, this will be projected onto the buildings on the waterfront. So I guess we will be looking like a bunch of large dancing statues uh, on the waterfront. And I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear because it sounds so exciting. Um, they, it is wheelchair accessible. It does say participation is for everyone, family members. And I'm going to presume that because it's under their accessibility, that they will have individuals there who can, you know, escort or assist someone uh, such as myself or who's blind or blind or partially sighted to participate in in this, uh, you know, get up and move and do something um, for the fun of it. So I, I uh, urge everyone to email info at nocturnehalifax.ca. Nocturne is N-O-C-T-U-R-N-E info at halifaxnocturne.ca and uh, check it out. And if I can get them to reply at what time this runs on a daily basis, I will send that in right away. Very good. Uh, how was Nocturne? Did you do anything last week as part of, uh, I mean, I guess we'd call it Nuit Blanche in Toronto or Nuit Blanche in Montreal, but how was Nocturne in Halifax? Well, um, I we did the choir parade, uh, which was on Sunday, this mm-hmm, past Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I think that for the coordinator, the artist, Aislinn Thomas, it was a, it was pure success. Now, there were about two to three hundred spectators um, at the Fort Needham Memorial Park, and uh, there were signs. Everybody kept quiet, Um, the participants and the the spectators. People just waved in, you know, it was, was, as I mentioned last month, it was predominantly individuals with disabilities. So I was on my tandem uh, with, with my pilot, Jim, and we were all wearing uh, wings. I had ladybug wings, and see, I'm already getting into costumes. <laughs> and and I, I forced my pilot to wear bumblebee wings, and uh, and there were a lot of wings everywhere because we were under the theme of flying high um, <laughs> as, as artists with disabilities. It, it was fantastic. <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. Well, speaking of fantastic and festivities, fall festival season is underway. People will are going to be carving up pumpkins for the next few weeks. But after Halloween, the Common Roots Urban Farm Hoot Nanny is back, and those leftover gourds are going to good use. So, Milena, what's the lowdown on this hoedown? All right. Well, the lowdown on the hoedown, the Common Roots Urban Farm Hoot Nanny is back in full force. The last two years, because of COVID, we pretty much kept it to our plotters and um our volunteers. But it's it's there for everyone at the buy high common roots uh, farm uh, located across from the bears road village mall and it's happening november the 5th 
from 1 to 4.30. There's going to be a free meal uh, put on by our plotters. Lots, all, nobody ever complains about the free meals, and it's, it's good stuff. And the, the meal will be at uh, 3 o'clock. There is pumpkin smashing. Now, I, oh, yeah. I was in charge of the pumpkin smashing section a couple of years ago, and I'm not doing that again because it's a lot of little kids running around with mallets. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And they're, seems, and they're a little hard to control. <laughs> seems there could be some risk factor involved there uh, with, yes, with mallets yes. so, and children. Yeah. So there will be pumpkin smashing and uh, scavenger hunt and, um, y- you know, uh, music and just a lot of good fun on the farm to get together to end the season. And bring in your, your pumpkins because we, we use them for compost for the, for the next season. So uh, November the 5th at uh, Common Roots Urban Farm, and uh, there is a, um, a link there that will go on the blog just to register. You don't have to, but, you know, it's nice to know the number, so if you could register in, that would be really appreciated. Milena, are only kids allowed to smash the pumpkins, or can adults swing the mallets too? Oh, no, everybody can swing the mallets, so, and, and the, the adults are easier to control than the kids because once they're done smashing the pumpkin, they're running after each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting uh, getting in touch with our inner 90s rock band and doing a little bit of smashing pumpkins. Uh, Milena, so is your, plan to be, is, is your plan to be a squid for Halloween, or is this just a special Halloween costume just for me? This is a special Halloween costume for you. I've been wearing it outside everyone. It's making everyone laugh, right? I think we all need a little bit of laughter these days. But no, I'm I'm going I'm going as a as a bottle of a hot sauce um, to match my my friend uh, Stephanie, who's a bottle of ketchup, to match her fiance, who's a bottle of mustard, and our guide dogs are dressed in hot dog outfits. So. Oh my gosh, hot dogs and condiments! It sounds like it's going to be a fun Halloween weekend in Halifax for Milena in a few days here. <laughs> Milena, thank you for this. We always appreciate catching up. Excellent. I just want to say happy birthday on November 5th for my dad, who's turning 70 as well. Oh, well, happy birthday to Mr. K- Mr. Kazanavishis as well. Milena, thank, yes. you, thank you for this. Thanks. Have a great day. That's Milena Kazanavishis, community reporter and human squid. Calamari. It's no squid game when you're talking to Milena Kazanavishis. Remember, if you want uh, links... And more information about those stories, especially Milena brings lots of great stories with lots of great information. AMI.ca slash now is our blog. AMI.ca slash now is our blog. Let's wrap up the hour with a couple of news stories. Just taking a closer look at some COVID-19 news with some sound from Canada's chief public health officer saying her agency is watching the evolution of COVID variants carefully. Dr. Teresa Tam says the way variants are mutating appears to be changing as more people are developing immunities to the virus. There's a, a, a very distinct immune escape where vaccines don't work or uh, treatments don't work and they cause severe illness. That's one of the worst case scenarios. We haven't detected one of those yet, but we need to be prepared for uh, potential. According to Canada's public health agency, about 18% of eligible Canadians are up to date with their COVID-19 vaccination. So that includes the uh, bivalence shots that are now available. And just to give you a broader sense of what the numbers look like, there are currently 5,348 people in hospital with COVID-19. That's a slight decrease week over week, a couple hundred cases or a couple hundred people uh, lower than last week. But in the last week, 
226 people have died of COVID-19 in Canada. And I mentioned those uh, bivalent shots. It's pretty remarkable. Certainly in Ontario, you can get them at a lot of Shoppers Drug Mart's locations. And I was supposed to get mine a couple of weeks ago, and then I was sick, and I wasn't sure if I had COVID or not. I was testing, and you're not supposed to get the shot when you have COVID. In the end, I always tested negative, which was very, very good. But as I was going online to look at the appointments, because they ask you to make an appointment uh, for the Shoppers Drug Mart version of the uh, of the vaccine, scene process. I went looking online. There wasn't like a single appointment booked. So if there's anything holding you back in regards to perhaps booking an appointment or going to a walk-in clinic, it's not quite the Hunger Games that was 2021 as people were lining up for hours trying to get a shot. If you're at all interested in getting that bivalent shot that's a bit more Omicron targeted, it is going to be quite simple for you to arrange an appointment. Of course, as we've talked about many, many times on the show, Just because you can book the appointment doesn't mean it's easy to get there. So please know I'm acknowledging that too. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update. Brock Richardson will be here for a sports chat. We are going to do a deep dive preview into the season of the National Basketball Association and talk a little bit about those Raptors. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, October is Stuttering Awareness Month. Maya Chipkoff tells you about the Proud Stutter podcast and the campaign they have going on to mark the Awareness Month. And in just a couple of moments, we'll talk to Brock Richardson for a full preview of the NBA season. And at the back end of the show, we'll catch up with Ramya and Nizreen and Eliza and Alex. We're asking the question, what is entertaining you? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening So we'll play Tastemaker for you in a couple minutes. But before we get to any of that, let's begin the hour with the regional news update. And we'll start in British Columbia, where the commanding officer of British Columbia's RCMP says the loss of a 31-year-old Mountie who was fatally stabbed in the line of duty yesterday is immeasurable. Deputy Commissioner Commissioner Dwayne McDonald says the death of Constable Shalen Yang near a homeless encampment in Burnaby will have impacts on her family, friends, and the wider RCMP community. As a commanding officer of the BCRCMP, I can tell you that an on-duty death is the most difficult and heart-wrenching incident that we have to deal with as an organization. Each and every day, our police officers say goodbye to their loved ones, and they go off to work to serve their communities with commitment and dedication, as is the case with Constable Yang and her compassion for the community and the people that she served. Yang was part of a mental health and outreach team when she died. Following up on something we talked about in the first hour of the show, the Sunshine Coast Regional District, the District of Seashelt, and the Shisha First Nation have declared a state of local emergency as the water system grapples with drought. Chief Warren Paul explains how much precipitation is needed to replenish the supply. Uh, I was told somewhere between 80 and 120 millimeters of rain would be needed for us to get 
to that uh, to that comfort zone because the ground's going to soak it up. Many businesses in the region have been told to stop using all traded drinking water as of last night. The Sunshine Coast usually receives about 200 millimeters of rain between July and the end of October, but just 10 millimeters has fallen. Over to the prairies. A polar bear that was running well, roaming well south of Hudson Bay has been captured after spending several days around the Shamatawa First Nation. The community kept the school closed while the bear was in the area as a precaution. Shamatawa is about 350 kilometers south of Churchill, Churchill, an area where you would typically find polar bears. Manitoba Conservation says the bear was tranquilized and flown back to Hudson Bay coast by helicopter where it was released. Look at how, look at bears getting all the helicopter trips they want. Over to Ontario, a coroner's inquest into the death of an Indigenous teen whose body was found near a group home in Hamilton will begin hearing closing testimony and arguments today. Devin Freeman, who was 16 years old, was reported missing in the fall of 2017 from the Linwood Charlton Centre group home. He was found dead in April 2018. The inquest has explored systemic issues that played a role in the teen's death, including public policy and legal issues related to Indigenous children and youth in the child welfare system. And then over to Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia's health authority says there is overcrowding and staff shortages at Cumberland Regional Healthcare Centre. It is reminding residents who do not need urgent care to consider visiting smaller health centres and hospitals in the surrounding area. However, the authority is also warning residents to check the daily list of hospital closures before heading to a different health centre. And Nova Scotia is designating two beach areas in Antigonish County as provincial parks. Dunn's Beach, which is home to the endangered piping plover, includes a sandy beach, forest, and a small wetland area. The new park at Monkhead is a mix of sandy beach, forests, and coastal headlands. That's your look at what's going on in the world of regional news. Now let's bring in our guy Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Brock, it's exciting times in the world of sports. I say that to you almost every day. We could put that on tape and play it on a, on a loop. But basketball is back. The NBA season kicked off last night. And tonight, the Toronto Raptors get back to business. Yes, they do. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, and say that to me, the Toronto Raptors are a I have the word very. Uh, They are a very good team. They are a team that can make the playoffs and should make the playoffs. I kind of view them as a middle-of-the-pack team. You still have guys like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, and even their secondary pieces uh, with Otto Porter uh, Jr., uh, Chris Boucher, Precious, Precious Achua. All very good pieces for the Toronto Raptors. And it's going to be interesting to see where they kind of shape with this team. Uh, I have my only sort of concern with this team is they don't have a big, big guy in the middle like mm. a, a Jose Valentunas or a Marc Gasol when, when uh, they won the championship. I do think they could be taken advantage of in, in the, you know, in, in the paint. Uh, because there's not a big guy to kind of 
stop and slow down uh, guys barreling down at you. So that's kind of my only sort of concern. But I expect this team to be in the five, six, seven, eight sort of range by the time the season ends. I would love to see them, you know, top four to get a home court. But I would suspect more five, six, seven, eight mm-hmm. would be where this Toronto Raptors team would land themselves. It's fair to say they overachieved last year, finishing as high in the standings as they did, eventually getting a 4-5 matchup with the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. I think it's fair for you to say, Brock, that that's probably about what the goal is this year for them. Certainly, any professional basketball team is going to say, we're going to win the conference and we're going to win the title, but let's be realistic here. That is probably right around the line they want to get to because, as you point out, there are a lot of very familiar names and faces on this team. Pascal Siakam, that's now a veteran player on this team. OG Ananobi, although he's young, that's a veteran player on this team. Fred Van Vliet, same thing. You mentioned all these names. These are guys who are well-known in the league who may not be super-duper-duper stars, but they're really good players. And then you bring in Scotty Barnes, who had just a transcendent rookie season. I think he exceeded expectations in a massive way for that team. And he ended up becoming one of the straws that stirred the drink down the tail end of the season. One of the reasons why the team played with one of the top paces and speeds in the league is because of all the athletes they have on this roster. This Raptors team, Brock, is the kind of team, if they can bring the effort every night, I know it makes me sound like such an old guy. It's such old guy sports analysis. Oh, can they bring the effort? Can they bring the hustle? But if they want to play at that tempo, they're going to give a lot of teams trouble. My one concern, Brock, you mentioned that the lack of a big man. I think the guy they drafted in the second round, Christian Coloco out of Arizona, is just a phenomenal player. He's still really, really raw, but he played a lot of t- a lot of minutes for Arizona last year. I was obsessed with that Arizona Wildcats team. He's a good big man, so we'll see if they can get him some minutes early in the season to develop. But to me, the concern is actually who's your secondary ball handler. Because as much as OG and as much as Fred Van Vliet and as much as even Scotty Barnes can handle the ball – I worry if there's injuries or when you're getting the second unit out there that there's not a true great secondary ball handler on this team. So I would point to that as a position of weakness in an NBA that is exceedingly becoming a ball handler's league. Yeah, and and you speak to sort of the depth of this team. You know, to me, uh, the eight players to which that I just named are – kind of going to be your regular rotation the problem is when and i say when because it's an nba season when one of those guys goes down Mm -hmm. for even a short Mm -hmm. time though that's when you're going to see what is this team really if injuries can and we say this all the time and again i i feel like i'm joining you with this old man uh, old man remark here but (laughs) if injuries can can sort of keep this team at bay I wouldn't want to play the Toronto Raptors. The problem is when they do bite, can they hold themselves above water? That's the question that everyone's going to be asking. I do think this team is, like I've said, a middle-of-the-pack team, but that's based on limited long-term injuries. Mm-hmm. We can handle short-term. It's the long-term ones that I go, what does this look like after that? And Nick Nurse has been around for a while now. You know, He's won an NBA championship, uh, been around – you know, two seasons uh, since, and this is going to be his third, and we'll see what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say that Nick Nurse's split focus between Basketball Canada 
and the Toronto Raptors. Well, I don't know if that's true. I think that when we get into the NBA season, he's a guy that knows how to mix, match, and play around. But if you don't have the pieces to do that with injury, it can be real challenging. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Brock, we spent some time yesterday talking about the San Antonio Spurs as one of the more respected organizations across the NBA. I would argue that the Toronto Raptors at this point are one of the most respected teams as an institution. Masai Ujiri, the president of basketball operations, the guy's a genius. The guy is maybe the best. He, he might be the best in the league. Nick Nurse, there were rumors last year that teams were willing to offer the Raptors first round picks and millions of dollars to get Nick Nurse out of there to coach the LA Lakers. So this is a really well-respected framework inside this organization right now. They continue to draft well. They continue to develop players well. This is a really exciting time. Even if they're not necessarily the elite of the elite in the Eastern Conference, they're definitely a team who's expected to make the playoffs and definitely a team that can give you trouble. What's tough here, Brock, is the division the division might be the best division in basketball. You have the Boston Celtics, who went to the NBA Finals last year. Darn near could have won those NBA Finals. You have the Philadelphia 76ers, who made a lot of acquisitions in the offseason, and they were a solid playoff team last year. Even the Brooklyn Nets, for example. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, no more vaccine requirements keeping Kyrie off, off, the, off, the, off the court anymore. That Brooklyn team is good. There's still questions of whether or not Ben Simmons is going to suit up for them this year. But if Brooklyn puts it together, they're tough. And even the New York Knicks, although they're kind of a hodgepodge group of characters, there's going to be no easy division games for the Toronto Raptors this year. No, and, and again, you're going to get an early test uh, for the Toronto Raptors. I believe they play um, Brooklyn either Friday or Saturday uh, this week. I don't have the schedule right in front of me. I'm going to pull it up. Is, I'm going to pull it up. It is early in the season, and that's going to be, you know, are we going to write home if we win or lose this game? No, I, I wouldn't say that, but it's going to be a measuring stick to kind of sit there and say, what are we? And I am looking forward to these division games because – what are the Toronto Raptors? It's becoming the American League East in 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 <laughs> baseball. And to me, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And you know, Masai Ujiri, great front office, great uh, respected as you pointed out. But you have to beat teams, and and none of those front office people can do that. They can only put the pieces in place to do that. But when Masai and Bobby Webster come a calling, people come listening because mm-hmm. of that respect that you just spoke about yeah no doubt no doubt uh so brock as you pointed out they're playing in brooklyn on friday nights of course they have the home opener tonight against cleveland which is also an excellent game cleveland one of these teams on the rise and brock i'm just going to interrupt us for one moment here and bring on eliza rocco eliza you have some really exciting news about tonight's home opener i do i do i went home last night and uh i got a little surprise i am going to not only go to tonight's home opener but this will also be my first basketball game. So I am thrilled. Wow. What, what are you most excited about for your first basketball game? Um, free swag, hopefully. <laughs> and seeing Scotty Barnes. Right on. <laughs> well, Eliza, enjoy it. We hope, we hope you enjoy the night out there in uh, downtown Toronto. Oh, I will. And I will report back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to hear all about your experience tomorrow on the show. Brock, let's uh, turn to the league more broadly here. I sent you an email yesterday saying, okay, Brock, let's try to drill down on one player and then maybe one team that we're interested in. For me, the 
player that I'm super jazzed up for is one of my favorite guys in the whole league, Luka Doncic. He's the point guard for the Dallas Mavericks. He's played almost at that MVP level in the way that he scores points and assists and picks up rebounds and the defense is getting a little bit better every year as he's entering the fourth year in his career. To me, Brock, Luka Doncic has become the must-watch player in the NBA. I kind of feel like he's the next one, and I think this really is going to be his year where he just takes over the league completely. But what do you think, Brock? Who's the player that has your attention this year? I The first one I wrote down, I wrote down a few, but the first one I wrote down was uh, Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets. Ah. This guy has the ability to literally carry his team. We saw that uh, last season where he just literally went on runs that were ridiculous. He was breaking records all over the place. Um, you know, I think this is a guy that can really do great things uh, with Denver, and it'll be fun to watch. And always got to love, you know, Canadiana and players uh, just, you know, being on the floor. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more today than there was when, you know, 10, 15 years ago, for sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Every single year we're getting more and more great influxes of Canadian players into the league. No doubt about that. Anybody else on your mind in terms of a player that you think is uh, on the Brock Richardson radar? Uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. I think, again, another kind of piece uh, that you'll be able to see uh, early on. I don't think there's any injury there. I haven't seen any. So I think you're going to be able to see this early on there. RJ Barrett, New York Knicks. And of course, uh, Andrew Wiggins, oh, Golden gosh. State Warri- the, Warriors. The, so. the freshly paid Andrew Wiggins, $140 million is going to pop up in that bank account over the next four years for Mr. Wiggins. Not too shabby. Not too shabby through and through for Andrew. Okay, lots of good Canadian content there from Brock. Brock, what about a By team? the way, can I, Go ahead. can I just say that Steph Curry last night, once again, uh, in their celebration, really made a a statement of support over Brittany Griner and just the Golden State Warriors have this way of leading by example, but saying the right things. And that goes back to Steve Kerr. And I think top to bottom, that organization is fun to watch. I know, uh, you know, the Brittany Griner situation is weird and uncomfortable a little bit, but just the support that's being felt around the league and by Curry is pretty cool. Yeah, a couple of really interesting ceremonies last night. The Celtics honoring Bill Russell, who passed away this summer. The Celtics, great. Uh, The ceremony was absolutely stunning. The Poet Laureate of Boston spoke. Aloe Black gave a musical performance that was just raising the hairs on your forearms. Really, really beautiful stuff. And then, as you mentioned, in the celebration of handing out the rings to the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry continuing to show that leadership, a connection, a consciousness to the community through and through. Uh, Brock, I think we can agree the Golden State Warriors are always going to be good TV. But is there an, any other team that you're kind of looking at as, as a team that you're going to tune in when you find out that TSN or Sportsnet has the broadcast? I, I'm always interested in uh, either of the L.A. teams. I think those are always, you know, good, good TV to watch. I, I'm a fan of LeBron. I think what he's been able to do over his career 20 years in the league is, is something pretty special. Mm-hmm. So I think. That's going to be some good TV to watch if you're looking at West. Of course, Boston, I think they're going to, you know, make a real run for for the championship. I think our division, the Atlantic division, is one that's going to be 
fun to watch as well. So going to be keeping my eye on all kinds of basketball this season. Brock, I have the opposite of good TV for you. The Indiana Pacers are about <laughs> to go into a significant tank job. They've got a couple of young guards, including a Canadian, Ben Mathurin, who they drafted sixth overall last year, who in the post-draft interview, people asked him, oh, how are you feeling about playing against stars like LeBron James? He goes, I wonder how LeBron feels about playing against me. That's the kind of <laughs> swagger and confidence that I love. But the Indiana Pacers are going to be legitimately terrible this year. They traded away a lot of veteran talent last year. They do have a couple good young players who are going to play up and down the court at a speedy pace. But this team is intentionally going to be losing games this year. And this is the story that's going to hang over the whole season, Brock. In the same way that hockey fans are talking about Connor Bedard as a generational first overall pick in this upcoming draft, in the basketball world, the eyes and ears and attention and brain power is focused on Victor Wembenyama, the French basketball player who's seven foot four and plays point guard. The guy is an alien. People are tanking this year because they feel like this is going to be a generational talent. Not just, oh, he's going to be pretty good. They're thinking Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kevin Durant level of freak. So this is going to be the thing hanging over the majority of the year. There's going to be a couple teams who are deliberately being bad, and the Indiana Pacers are going to be exciting, but excitingly terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it always brings up the question of tanking in, in sports and whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And you know what? If there's a generational player, uh, then and you know you're going to be terrible, then sure. But do it in a way that makes it at least look as though you're competitive. <laughs> I think you're doing you're doing complete disservices to sports when you when everybody knows that you're like, yeah, we're we're going after the number one pick. <laughs> I'm cool with it, but at least at least make me somewhat believe that you're competitive. In, and I don't think this is going to be the case with Indiana. I think it's going to be an out and out. No, we're tanking. Sorry, Brock, but uh, yeah. you're going to watch us be terrible. <laughs> uh, Brock, <laughs> my, my heart is broken this morning. The New York Yankees beat up on the Cleveland Guardians last night. Very frustrating. The nice thing is the Yankees are going to be very tired when they head into Houston for a, a matchup with the Astros tonight. Quick turnaround for the Yanks. Uh, give me sort of a rapid fire thought on both uh, the Yankees and the Astros, as well as the uh, first game of the Padres and the Phillies, which took place last night. Not exactly a big bopper kind of game uh yankees and astros it's going to be interesting to see uh you know new, new york was speaking all the right language last night of oh we're you know we're riding them on momentum yeah let's see how you look uh you know uh tw less than 24 hours after you uh win i think again houston's gonna have their pitching lined up the way they want to uh it's gonna this is gonna be a six or seven uh, game series very quickly on the other series. Um, you know, it, both pitchers last night were very good. Um, Zach Wheeler obviously got the edge on this. Um, but again, series is going to go a, a long way in this. I think the Padres are just going to gonna grind it out and make this a great series. And I don't really know who to pick to, to win. I think both teams have a good chance. It's going to be must-see baseball in both mm -hmm. of these series, and I'm looking forward to it. Double dip in baseball today, 4 o'clock Eastern, and then uh, uh, 7 or 7.30 mm -hmm. Eastern time. 
would be the other one. So. Great matchup at 4 o'clock on the pitching mound. Aaron Nola going for the Phillies and Blake Snell going for the Padres, two of the premier pitchers who people don't know about because nobody watches baseball, unless it's the Blue Jays. Uh, Brock, thank you for this. We always appreciate catching up. Maybe we'll talk a little hockey tomorrow. We will indeed. All right. That's Brock Richardson. He is the host of the Neutral Zone, and he's at the AMI Sports Desk. Alex Smythe is at the AMI Weather Desk. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Starting in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 18. In Charlottetown, PEI, it's cloudy with rain beginning this morning and wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. And there's also up to 70 millimeters of rain expected both today and tomorrow. The high is 18. In St. John, New Brunswick, rain throughout the day with wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour and a rainfall warning is in effect as there's up to 20 millimeters expected. The high is 17. Over to Quebec City, Quebec. It's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of 12. In Toronto, Ontario, it's cloudy with showers off and on today and the high is 9. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, snow this morning, which could turn Oof. into rain this afternoon. Yeah, and up to two centimeters expected, Dave. It's uh, it's finally here. Snow is in Ontario, uh, but there's also a wind gust up to 50 kilometers per hour and a high of three. In Brandon, Manitoba, clouds clearing this morning for sunshine and a high of 14. To Regina, Saskatchewan, it's sunny, becoming a mix of sun and clouds, and the high is 19. Over to Lethbridge, Alberta, it's sunny, hazy, and a high of 25. In Red Deer, Alberta, same thing. It's sunny and hazy as well. The high is 22. Up to Whitehorse, Yukon, it's cloudy with a chance of showers and wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour, and the high is 11. Over to Kelowna, BC, it's sunny with smoke in the area, and as a result, there is an air quality statement in effect. The high is 15. Finally, Vancouver, BC, it's mainly sunny and hazy as well, and there, that air quality statement is in effect for the area. Also, 18 is the high. That was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up after the break, I've got a quick tech trend story about some new technology that Microsoft is rolling out. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You know we like talking about technology on this show, especially when there's an accessibility angle or an adaptive angle to it. So let's play you this story. Microsoft is launching several adaptive devices and tools. Derek Dennis has the details in Tech Trends.
On the way from Microsoft, some new devices with a specific goal. They're for people to interact with technology in new ways. Microsoft VP Matt Barlow on the company's new adaptive accessories designed to help people who may have physical challenges. It starts with an adaptive mouse. So it's a small mouse puck that you can customize with a mouse tail that we've got available, as well as other shapes you can place on that. So you can grab the mouse in any way you choose to be able to interact with the screen and the cursor in new ways. And the line includes several other devices. A D-pad, a joystick, or a dual button. And you can put toppers onto that. So if you're mobility challenged, you can interact with these input devices in ways that you feel most comfortable. Microsoft has also reached a deal with 3D printing company Shapeways, which can create custom add-ons for its adaptive accessories to allow even more people to use them. With Tech Trends, I'm Derek Dennis, ABC News. Thank you very much, Derek. Coming up next, October is Stuttering Awareness Month. Maya Chupkoff will tell you about the Proud Stutter podcast and the awareness campaign that they have going on. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. October is Stuttering Awareness Month. Let's catch up with the host of the Proud Stutter podcast, Maya Chupkoff, to find out how they are marking this month. Hey, good morning, Maya. Thank you for making time for us today. We're grateful. Good morning. Happy to be here. So let's start with Stuttering Awareness Month because your podcast is doing a campaign. What do you have planned? Yeah, so for the whole month of October, Proud Stutter is partnering with Facetronomy, a business that illustrates faces. Um, And we're partnering to lift up stories of all types of people who stutter, um, from our very own President Biden to just your everyday people. And we're just so excited about it. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we post a different story with an illustration of that person. And then at the end of the month, we're going to do a raffle and award out some custom theme artwork. It's a really great idea and a great way to connect the community together. I'm curious what you would hope people take away from an awareness month like this. So stuttering really can be an isolating um, experience. I myself hadn't come out as a stutter until just recently. It took me 29 years. I was able to pass as fluent for most of my life because of hiding it. And a lot of people out there um, are just struggling alone. And so this campaign is all about letting people know that they're not alone. There's a community for them out there. And That's really what it's all about. And we've already met so many new people from the campaign that are joining the community. So Mm. it's been wonderful. I want to circle back to your podcast specifically. I had a chance to uh, listen to a couple episodes and I heard an interview you did with our colleague, Joita Gupta, last week that was incredible. But why did you want to start the podcast? I started the podcast because I was actually very miserable at work. (laughs) And I, I really wanted to, um, nurture the creative part of myself. I don't really, I've never really considered myself as an artist. Um, and then podcasting, it just seemed like something that I could learn and do. And so 
the idea of proud stutter really came from my fiance, Kyle, because I knew I wanted to do a podcast. I just didn't know what it would be about. And he has always been so curious about my stutter. And so he kind of put that thought in my head. And ever since then, I just ran with it. And yeah, I just thought, I initially thought it was going to be a one season thing, but the community has really just welcomed me with open arms and wants me to keep going. So here I am now Mm. already planning season three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how when that ball gets rolling, it just keeps on rolling. I I know there's a lot of variety in the kind of conversations that you're having, but, but what kind of conversations do you typically have on the show? Yeah, so for season one, it was really, I really wanted to get as diverse a pool of people as possible from all walks of life. So um, on season one, we had a um, journalist um, that that was an incredible interview. We had a comedian and we also had a speech language therapist who also stuttered. So just so many different Mm. types of people who stutter, ranging from different um, cause you know, some people's stutters are more consistent, some aren't. So I always try to have diversity of, of, of stuttering itself too. And for season two, we're doing something a little different because in order, we really want to grow the audience and invites people in. And so each episode has a person that doesn't stutter to kind of help, um, to, learn with us and learn with some of the audience members that might not know about stuttering too. Mm. You were really kind yesterday to send over a clip from an upcoming show that's going to be a dropping later this week in a conversation you had with that DJ Portugal. So we're actually going to play a short clip here where he talks about some of the work that he's doing as a community organizer in Phoenix, Arizona, working towards environmental justice within the Latinx community. So let's give that clip a listen. You, you came on and, and you shared the proud stutter. I, I had ne- never really in the past really addressed my stutter, you know, not even really w- 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 with family or, 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 or friends, you know. Um, it was something that I was always em- embarrassed of. Um, you know, er- er- I think a lot of folks uh, have to work through imposter syndrome just, you know, as, as, a, as a fact of life. And I always felt like my stutter, like, increased that sense of, that sense of imposter syndrome especially because so many of the things that, that, that I've chosen to do career-wise require me to, to speak, require me to be, um, uh, uh, not just speak, but speak eloquently, communicate a message, you know, uh, um, uh, garner support, um, help folks through some really tough moments, you know? Like speaking is always such a big part of all the things that I've done in, in, in my life. You know, I, I, I just, when, when, you, when you shared your own journey with stuttering, I, I, I just felt seen um, in a way that, that I had never felt seen before. Maya, I hope you may indulge me in this thoughts. And by the way, if you think that this thought is terrible, you're welcome to tell me, Dave, shove it. <laughs> so it, it feels like slowly but surely we've had something of a cultural awakening about not making fun of people for disabilities, health concerns, et cetera, certainly when it comes to visible disabilities. But does it feel like perhaps that awakening has come a little bit more slowly when it comes to speech differences? Yes. For stuttering, I think we still have a long way to go. To this day, um, I I watch and listen to TV quite a lot, and I still hear the phrase, 
so much over and over again, did I stutter? Like, Mm. that's such a, uh, that's such a frequently used phrase. And I'm just like, and that just is a constant reminder that there's still so much work to do. Um, and I actually was just in a, um, webinar last night with a director who stutters and he's doing research around finding as many stuttering in pop culture, in TV films and dissecting them in an order, in order to kind of help change the entertainment industry and how they handle stuttering. Yeah, we know that that's a, that's an advocacy battle that uh, takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of research uh, across the spectrum of so many different kinds of disabilities. Maya, I'm curious. You mentioned that you started this podcast out of a desire to do something new. Now that you've done it for a couple of years, what's your favorite part about podcasting? My one of my favorite parts about podcasting is the community. I have so many podcasting friends and we just always bond over how hard it can can be, how it's like a labor of love and podcasting can be very isolating as well. And just having a community around you is so incredible. And there there's this um, conference called podcast movement that I go to. And every time I go, it's just meeting new, new, creators and just spreading more awareness about stuttering. I just, it's my favorite part for Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is a question that people have asked me before, and I always have a bad answer, but you're more talented than me. So I'm wondering if you might actually have (laughs) a good answer to this. Uh, Is there someone that is your dream interview subject? Who is someone that you would love to get on the other side of an interview and talk to them? So it used to be Joe Biden, our <laughs> the president of the United States, and he's still up there, but I've actually switched my number one dream interview, I guess, because I recently um, watched a few interviews of the director of Black Panther, Ryan Coogley, mm. and I noticed that he has a stutter. He doesn't really talk about it, but you, um, as a stutter, you kind of can, you, you learn to like, see, like catch, um, um, little like, um, tidbits of stuttering that others might not. And so I, I def, I definitely would love to interview him, um, one day. Very, very good answer. I like that one a lot. And he's he's staying busy in the movie world. So it might, might be tricky, but you never know. Those, those, those press releases go out for the movie junkets. And next thing you know, you get him in the chair and it's an exciting time. Uh, Maya, remind people where they can go support the podcast, support you and support the uh, campaign that you're running for Stuttering Awareness Month. Yes, the best place to go to just look through everything around Proud Stutter and our campaign is proudstutter.com on our home page. We have our latest episode on there and we have more information about our campaign. And you can also find me on all of the socials, um, Proud Stutter everywhere. Maya, we're so grateful for your time today. Keep up all the excellent work. The podcast is top, top tier. And hopefully we get a chance to catch up with you again down the road. Thank you so much for having me. That's Maya Chupkoff, the host of the Proud Stutter podcast. Punch in Proud Stutter on your favorite podcasting platform or head over to the website as well. Punch it into your Google machine. Coming up after the break, we catch up with Ramya Amuthan and Nazreen Abdelmajid and Alex Smythe. Ramya will tell you what's coming up on Kelly and Company this afternoon. 
And then I've got a question for them. What is entertaining you? What's good in the world of entertainment? So we'll do a little taste making on Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's begin this segment by welcoming in Ramya Amuthan, the co-host of Kelly and Company, which comes your way at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Ramya, before we get into a little bit of conversation with the roundtable, what's coming up on the show today? All right, we're talking to Greg David, our TV guy and, of course, communication specialist here at AMI, and he's scaring up some of this year's spooky favorites. And this is available (laughs) on TV, on uh, streaming networks, so he's got a whole bunch for us. Uh, Ryan Delahanty is highlighting some support groups helping neurodiverse individuals in New Brunswick as well as Prince Edward Island. There's a couple he's going to feature. And World Mental Health Day was on October 10th of this year, and we're going to learn about new data regarding mental health in the workplace with our friends from Robert Half. Very good. Lots of interesting conversations on Kelly and company. We can now welcome in the rest of the gang. I know Nazreen Abdelmajid is standing by. Good morning, Nazreen. Good morning. And of course, we can say hello again to Alex. Hello, Alex. Good morning, Dave. All right, guys. So let's put on our tastemaker hats because I occasionally have these revelations of monoculture does not exist anymore. Nobody is watching the same thing. Everyone's just doing their own thing on their own time in the on-demand world unless you're watching sports. And even then, I'm sleeping through sports and watching them in the morning when I'm at the gym. So the fundamental question that I'm asking you today is, what is entertaining you? In other words, what's good? And it can be anything. It can be a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a band, a musician, or maybe even an audiobook, because we know Ramya is very well read, as is Nazreen jumping on the AMI audiobook podcast. So, Nazreen, starting with you, what's good? Uh, Ramya already knows that I'm starting the uh, Colleen Hoover books. So, it starts with us, is what I'm uh, listening to right now in an audiobook. Uh, but also, TV shows, I'm not the type to start something new by myself. So I always wait for somebody to be like, okay, let's watch this together and I'm down for it. But for me, when I just want to have a normal day or like if I want to just chill, I rewatch the same thing. But I'm watching Modern Family for the first time ever. Oh, Yay! interesting. I know. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's really good. I have to say it's so good. I love it. I'm watching on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Ramia, it sounded like you had a little bit of an affirmation, a positive thought, a yay for Nazreen who jumped into that one. Oh my God, Modern Family is the best. It is audio described on Disney Plus as well. So shout out to that because I have a couple of friends who watched before it was available with audio description and now it's even better uh, with AD. Nazreen, I know it's early, but is there a character you're finding yourself particularly drawn to? Cam. Cam, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cam. I love, I love all of them, to be honest, but they're so good. The uh, Like, each character has its, like, they're just perfect for the role, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Phil Dumphy, the, the father, yeah. uh, sort of the yeah. main father, I think that's kind of aspirational. I'm, I'm not a dad, but one day if I am a dad, I aspire to be Phil Dumphy. I, I've I been compared to Claire. Okay, there you go. Uh, Alex, Alex, you had a thought on Modern Family. 
Yeah, sorry to, to uh, jump in, but uh, Dave, I 100% agree. I mean, you definitely want to aspire to be Phil. But also, I think us guys, in some way, we also appreciate what Jay brings to the table as the old combustion. It's like sometimes <laughs> you just want to you want to tap into your Jay, but you also want to have like the childlike, like innocence and wonder and joy of Bill. You want you want kind of that that balance between the two of them. Yeah, mm. brilliant, brilliant show. Ramya, favorite character before we move on to uh, to what what's good with you. Well, because it's my third time watching it. Um, first time around was Phil. Second time, I know. I'm actually brutal for this stuff, like rewatching series to get back into comfort zones. I'll explain later, though. But uh, Phil, first time around. Second time around, Mitch and Cam. And third time around, Luke and Manny. They're oh, hilarious. Okay, the Luke and Manny connection growing on you. That yeah. works for me for sure. Yeah, Ramya, you and I have talked about that before where we'll watch The Office like once a year just to kind of recenter <laughs> yeah. ourselves. And for me, it's to get Creed Bratton laughs. So, Ramya, what's good with you? What are you watching, reading, listening to that's working for you these days? Okay, I'm in the middle of an 18-hour book. I may have mentioned this the last time you asked something similar. Uh, the Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern. It is a long book. And it's one of these books that's actually perfect because it's a long story, but there are all these little stories woven in together. So it's nice for this, you know, pick it up, read a bit, put it back down, get into another universe somewhere else, and then come back to it and feel like you didn't really miss much or, you know, that they're still waiting for you. Um, but actually right now, Dave, I'm in the breaking bad universe oh, so i just yeah i know i know that would get you going so i just finished breaking bad and el camino so better call saul is the next one but i had to take a bit of a break because just it was so good that i need to pause and do a lot of like digesting mm-hmm. of everything that mm-hmm. went on um so i'm in the middle of jeffrey dahmer right now while i <laughs> <laughs> just a little just a little light break a little light break no. in the middle of breaking bad just a little, a little know, serial killer and cannibalism just, cleanse just, just, just get into something else quick. Watch a little modern family. <laughs> I know. Take a little bite on something lighter. Yes. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. good, good, good pun, Alex. That was well done. That was a good dad joke. I like that. Uh, Rumi, I'm going to stay with you for one more moment here because you mentioned that you will tend to rewatch things for a comfort zone. Tell me about that. So every time I take in some kind of new and especially heavier content, I have to go back into something that's familiar and comfortable and that I already know I like. It's it's kind of like background noise, but uh, also to get yourself out of that, right? Like if I don't go into something lighter, not Jeffrey Dahmer, but Modern Family after Breaking Bad, then I'm just in that headspace for a long time. And then I find it even harder to get into another book, another movie, another TV show. So if I don't get the light stuff between um it takes me longer to get into something else sorry Ramya, i should have followed up with this uh in terms of your audiobooks I- i've never asked mm-hmm. this before what's the service that you use i use audible and sila the center for equitable library access um sila is amazing because you get free books if you have print disabilities and mm. it's very easy to sign up and they have a plethora like they're their uh, services full of books and ebooks and audiobooks, all formats. And then Audible, if you're looking for extra content, aside from audiobooks, they have incredible a- uh, AMI originals, <laughs> Audible originals <laughs> and podcasts and productions are killer. Uh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things sometimes because I don't really live in that world too much. So it's always good to borrow your expertise because you're so connected there. All right, Alex, you've been very, very patient. What's good with you? What's entertaining you these days? Dave, it's October. It's Halloween's right around the corner. You know what's good is the quality of horror comedy movies available on across all the different streaming platforms. 
Uh, and for those of you who don't know really the horror comedy genre, it's basically when you take a really scary premise, but you add in some devilishly delicious black comedy, dark comedy, or just flat out like, you know, physical uh, comedy that you, you kind of weave it into a story that you don't think the two genres go together well, but I, I have to tell you, it's so entertaining to watch. Oh, you get some scares, you get some uh, some like tension, but then you get amazing jokes to bounce off and counteract the the horror aspect. That's really my favorite type of horror content, just when they blend it with comedy. So uh, that's really what I've been indulging from Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which you know takes a a spin on the the uh, evil hillbilly backwoods. Uh, slashers okay. with uh, young college kids mm-hmm. that really kind of subverts that trope to cabin in the woods which was another great subversive um movie Meta. that took all the tropes of all oh, yeah. the, the young teens going into the woods and who's really at fault and who's controlling those forces to ready or not which was one that came out a few years ago uh that blends a uh a family hunting uh playing this really corrupted game of hide and seek to even uh, a movie that came out quite a while ago called Slither from James Gunn back in the early to mid-2000s, which is a creature feature and blends his unique style of gore and comedy and just whimsy all wrapped up in one starring Nathan Fillion. I mean, there's so many great ones to choose from to to get your Halloween fix, but also have a laugh while you're doing it, not being too afraid to go to sleep afterwards. Okay, Alex is on the horror kick heading towards Halloween. Ramya, any any horror kick for you towards Halloween? I guess Dahmer kind of fits. It does, and my brother's been sending me lists of things available on Netflix like practically every day. Um, the Midnight Club is probably the one I am going to watch because it's the creators of... Oh, um, Haunting of uh, Hill House Mass, and Midnight yeah. Mass. Okay. Yes. And both of those, I really, like, they scared my pants off. Yeah. I, I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't do the horror anymore. Nazreen, what about you? I'm not a chance. Yeah. Romeo already knows. <laughs> yeah. Not a hard, chance. Hard pass. Uh, before, From books to movies to TV shows, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> but, but before I offer you guys my thoughts on something that I've been watching on YouTube, I want to bring in Eliza Rocco. Eliza... What have, you, what have you been watching? What's good? What's entertaining you? I'm a little in between shows right now, but one I just finished that was just so fantastic, and I have to recommend to everyone out there. It's called The Bear. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. On, it's on Disney Plus <laughs> yes, and FX. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, basically, it's about um, a young man who is just like a star in the culinary world. He works at a bunch of like the top restaurants um, and... This is not a spoiler. You'll learn about it in the first episode. But his brother dies, and he inherits his brother's restaurant, which is kind of a a hole in the wall, um, not the kind of thing he's used to. Um, and it goes from there. And it's like Breaking Bad for me. It's so stressful. The whole time mm-hmm. you're on the edge oh, of your yeah. seat. And it is – I don't want to go into details because it – I don't want to spoil anything, but it is a fantastic series. Anxiety-inducing, so I've heard it described, (laughs) which, uh, you know, sounds like just a totally relaxing night out there uh, watching some TV on Disney+, Plus, (laughs) the FX channel on uh, Disney+. Plus. Okay, guys, I've got two for you. The one thing that I've been watching a ton of on YouTube recently, I went through an Alexander the Great phase where I was trying to learn as much about Alexander the Great and the Macedonian takeover of the Persian Empire. 
my goodness, epic histories on YouTube, epic histories. They're like these 15 to 20 minute episodes yep. that look at a little period of history. My goodness, it's like the language is so plain and so understandable. It's not necessarily described video, but the visuals don't really matter. It's that the narrator is telling you the story so succinctly and so clearly. It is remarkably good and I've been getting a little bit smarter. It started with Alexander the Great and then moved over to some uh, Roman generals I was learning about and I was like wow this is cool but the one thing I want everybody to put on their radar is the new season of Big Mouth is dropping in a couple of weeks here <laughs> and I can tell you I am going to be locked in Rummy. I heard the giggle on my Big Mouth thoughts. No, it's great. I just didn't know you were going to go that direction. Oh, my gosh. I wish Big Mouth had existed when I was a teenager. It teaches me way more about sex than any teacher ever did. All right. We're going to leave. We'll take your word on it. We're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there, I guess. All right, everybody. Just letting that dead fish die on the floor. All right. Just condemn the public education system. No comment. education in public Gosh darn. Well, <laughs> my goodness. Well, Eliza, Alex, Rubia, and Nazreen, thank you guys for this. I hope we've uh, given you folks out there a little bit of advice on some good stuff to watch and keep yourself busy as the uh, winter rolls around and we get some rainy or snowy days coming up. That's all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry. We'll be back again tomorrow morning. Don Dickinson will be here with uh, some articles from McLean's Magazine. We'll also be talking to Aaron Broverman about some accessibility policies and adaptive vehicle policies at Uber. And Sean Priest will be here to talk about some new Apple technological releases. So lots to talk about on the show tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.